No sermon notes today. Uh, of course, with the Lord's Supper, uh, this will need to be an abbreviated uh, message, uh, but I trust no less important. Uh, our current sermon series is entitled, Excelling in Our Love for One Another. Uh, and in this series, we're simply moving uh, through the one another passages uh, found in the New Testament. And these passages teach us how to practically express the love of Christ uh, to one another. And my objective in this sermon series is twofold. Uh, first, to commend this church family, to commend the Edgewood family. Uh, for the love of Christ that you consistently display to one another and to a lost world. But second, to encourage us to what? Excel even more. To realize, uh, although God is working and God is using us, uh, He's not finished with us yet. And there are still deeper depths to grow uh, in God's love. We will never... Uh, span its length, depth, breadth, and height. It's just a wonderful experience daily to go deeper in the enjoyment and experience of that love. Now, in the last two messages, we're very early in the sermon series. This is only the third message. Uh, and in the first two messages, we examined the one another passages that are found in the book of Romans. Uh, we first looked at the three one another passages found in Romans 12 that teach us how we are to practice love in the body of Christ as we relate to one another. Uh, Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Also in verse 10, give preference to one another in honor. And then we looked at verse 16, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate uh, with the lowly. And then in that second message that we looked at last Sunday, uh, we focused on the three one another passages found in Romans 14 and 15, which teach us how to demonstrate a love for one another that is greater than our differences, how to maintain unity in the midst of diverse uh, preferences and tastes and opinions, and uh, I trust that message was meaningful. And those Three one another passages were Romans 14, 13. Therefore, not, do not let us judge any uh, one another anymore, but rather determine this not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. Uh, verse 19. So then let us pursue the things that make for peace in the building up of one another. And then we closed last Sunday looking at verse 7 of chapter 15. Wherefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Now, this morning, we come to the last one another passage found in the book of Romans. And this particular verse expresses the competence of love to minister to others. And that verse is Romans chapter 15, verse 14. And you're welcome to turn uh, there in your Bibles, Romans chapter 15, verse 14. Uh, but let me read it to you. And this is from the inter, uh, New International Version, the NIV. Paul wrote to the Roman church, 
I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Now notice three characteristics of love from this one verse. First, it says love is what? Love is full of goodness. The word translated goodness is agathosene in the Greek text. Uh, the word refers, and this is very important to understand this word, it refers to an inner goodness that flows out of one person to another person. A goodness that is profitable, that is useful, that is beneficial to others. A goodness that always seeks the welfare of others. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 24, is a great verse to correlate with Romans 15 and 14, because it captures the sentiment uh, beautifully. And let me just share that one verse with you from several different translations. From the New American Standard Version, Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. The New Living Translation, Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. God's Word translation, people should be concerned about others and not just about themselves. The Phillips Version, let no man then set as his own advantage his objective. In other words, don't make your objective to seek your own advantage, but rather the good of his neighbor. And then the Living Bible, which of course is a paraphrase, but it captures it well. Don't think only of yourself. Try to think of the other fellow too, and what is best for him. You know, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, we read this concerning Jesus. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. See, goodness is simply love in action, a love that reaches out to do good to another person, a love that is never overcome by evil, never conquered by evil, but instead overcomes evil with good, a love motivated and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, Galatians 5. Uh, verses 22 and 23, where we find the fruits of the Spirit. Goodness is one of those fruits that is produced in the believer's life. So when you see goodness flowing out of a Christian or a church to others, it is a clear demonstration. It is evidence that there is a yielding to the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work. Now, beloved, it is my absolute joy to commend this church, to commend the Edgewood family for the goodness I see flowing out to you to one another. I can honestly say, as your pastor, along with the Apostle Paul, concerning this family, as he said to the Roman family, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. Now, in saying that, Let's be clear, I'm not implying that our church is sinless, no more than Paul was implying the church in Rome was sinless. We 
uh, are all in the process of being set free from sin's power. Every one of us are a work in progress. But I do see in so many ways, both big and small, on a daily basis, on a daily basis, God's goodness flowing out of this church family to one another and to a lost world. You are a caring church, a giving church, a church that reaches out to those who are hurting physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This is our reputation among the other churches. It is our reputation in this community, and all the glory goes to God. And why? Because any goodness flowing out from us to others is a result of what? God working in us. God working in us. So going back to Romans 15, 14, love is not only full of goodness, but the Apostle Paul says it's also filled with knowledge. Filled with knowledge. In other words, true love, God's kind of love, is rooted in God's Word, informed by God's Word, directed and shaped by God's Word. I think of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul wrote, the goal, the objective, the aim, the ambition of our instruction in God's Word is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Notice, the goal of being instructed in God's Word is not simply to gain more knowledge about God, but to grow in our love for God and our love for one another. Therefore, if our Sunday school classes, Bible studies, teaching and preaching are not producing a greater love for God and for one another, then there is something terribly, terribly wrong because that is what God desires. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians that knowledge alone just puffs a person up, just makes a person prideful. But love edifies and builds up one another. You know, a few minutes ago, I commended this church uh, for being full of goodness. Would you not agree that what has produced that goodness in this church family is the fact that God's Word has always been central to everything we are and everything we do? Again, please understand me. I'm not saying we are sinless. I'm not saying we are perfect here. We are far, far from it. But there has always been. I, I've been in this church for over 40 years. There has always been a sincere desire, not just among the leadership, but the heart of the church family, to follow God's Word. To be doers of God's Word, not merely hearers. To build our church on the blueprint of God's Word. Now let me give you a great prayer that we can pray for one another, that we can pray for our church family. Uh, it's found in Philippians chapter 1. Listen to this prayer. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And I would encourage you to write that reference down. And it'd be a great prayer again for you to pray for Edgewood on a daily basis, especially as we go through this series, excelling in our love for one another. Paul wrote, And this I pray, that your love, may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, not just good, but what is best, what is best for the kingdom of God, what is best for one another. See, that's how God's 
word informs our love as we're instructed to seek the welfare of one another, what is best for one another. Not just giving a person what they want, but what they truly need, which is a love for the Lord Jesus Christ and a walk in a relationship with Him that's deep, real, and authentic. So he says, I want your love to abound more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, that day when he returns. Having been filled, notice we're back to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit now. It's the only thing that can produce this. This is a supernatural life. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So love is full of goodness. Love is filled with knowledge, which inevitably leads to that third characteristic of love that you find here in verse four, in, uh, in this verse. Paul concludes Romans 15, verse 16, by commending the church in Rome for being competent. Competent to instruct one another. The word instruct is nuthetheo in the Greek. Uh, the word literally means, it's a very interesting word, the word literally means to place something in the mind. To place something in the mind. And it carries the idea of a believer coming alongside of another believer to encourage that believer. To warn that believer. To advise that believer. To correct that believer. By again placing in their mind God's truth. Through the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Roman Christians, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying they loved and cared for one another so much that they took the time and the risk, the time and the risk to lovingly confront one another when they veered off or drifted from the right course. In other words, their love was not only tender, it was not only filled with goodness, But when necessary, their love could be tough. It could lovingly confront an erring brother or a sister. See, how can I claim, think about this, how can I claim to truly love someone and be committed to their good, committed to what is best for them, if I am not willing to confront them on attitudes and conduct that is self-destructive to them? Listen to Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6. This sort of sums it up right here along these lines. It says, better, better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Better is open rebuke than love is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of of an enemy. See, going back to our verse in Romans 15, notice the sequence, and don't miss this. Because they were full of goodness toward one another, this established a loving relationship with one another, which in turn provided an open door to instruct a brother or sister in the knowledge of God's Word. You've all heard the saying, and it's very, very true. People don't care how much you know until they, what? Know how much you care. 
So as we make the transition now to the Lord's Supper, I just want to say to the Edgewood family, in commending you, in affirming you, and I say this with all sincerity, I myself, as your pastor, I am absolutely convinced concerning you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. And again, I see that verse lived out in this church family every single day of the week, 365 days out of the year. But can I also say, let's excel still more. Amen? Let's excel still more in goodness, in knowledge, and instructing one another. It truly is an honor. It is an honor to be your pastor. And it is a joy to serve you. We're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 by the Apostle Paul, he wrote, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, or which cost me my blood. As often as you drink it, Drink it in remembrance of me. And you know what that new covenant is. It's the last will and testament of Jesus. It's what he bequeathed to every person that places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. First what? Pardon from all sin. That he'll remember your sins no more. Past, present, and future. That when he was buried, he buried those sins with him. And he rose again to offer you cleansing and forgiveness. But not only pardon from sin... The promise of purity of heart, that he would give you a new heart, that he would break the very power of sin so that you would have a hunger and a thirst for God to walk after righteousness. But not only that, the greatest, I think, of all the promises, his very presence, that we are now God's temple. We are now God's sanctuary. And the only way we can be filled with goodness, filled with knowledge, and be competent to instruct one another is what? Through that sanctifying power of God, the Spirit of God that dwells in us, works in us, to change us, to transform us, in order that we might be able to uh, minister uh, to others. So as we come to the table this morning, we come first to remember, uh, to remember uh, our Lord. Um, I was sharing with somebody just recently who, as a believer, um, acknowledged that they felt that they had sort of drifted from their first love towards Christ, that their love had become uh, cold, they had become complacent, they had become apathetic. And uh, I thought of Revelation chapter 2, because that, remember, uh, although uh, John uh, or Jesus through John uh, commended the church of Ephesus for so many things, for their stand on God's word, for their faithfulness, even suffering uh, for the name of Christ. He said, this one thing I have against you, you've drifted from your first love. Uh, 
you've lost me as your greatest treasure, as your greatest prize. I am no longer your greatest. You're sort of more or less just going through the routine of your Christianity. You've, you've lost the wonder of that relationship with me, that intimacy, the, that, that, that fire that the Holy Spirit produces in devotion uh, to Christ. And, uh, and remember, he gives him basically three admonitions there. And, and this is the cure uh, when you've left your first love and you need to return. He says, first, he said, remember. Remember. Remember from where you've fallen. Remember what you want to. In other words, what's the key word in the Lord's Supper? Remember. Again, how many times have I shared with this church family over the years? I don't know how any believer can focus long. I mean, really focus long on who Jesus is and what he did for you without your heart being moved. Without your affections being moved, your will being moved, stirred. I mean at the very gut of your being, the very core of your being. So he says, he says, you know, remember. And then as you remember, yes, that's going to lead you to what? Repent. To repent of uh, drifting, of uh, beginning to treasure other things uh, more than the Lord Jesus Christ as uh, he sort of gets pushed off uh, to the side. And then he says, okay, now start doing the things you did earlier uh, when your love was fresh, passionate for me and for one another. So as we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, I do encourage us um, to examine our lives. Um, Are we knowing that hot passion for Jesus? Or have we become lukewarm? Have we become apathetic, complacent, or even cold? And if that is true, in a very deliberate and intentional way, use this time to turn your heart away from yourself, away from your circumstances, even away from your failures initially, and just focus on Jesus. His beauty, His grace, His forgiveness, His love, the fact that He loves you unconditionally. As we saw last week, we're to accept one another as Christ what? Accepted us. (laughs) And He accepted us what? While we were yet sinners. At our very worst, He loved us and demonstrated His grace and mercy toward us. So focus on Him. And it's only when you see Him in His beauty, in His glory, in His holiness, that you can really see yourself properly, to confess your sin, uh, to repent, to return to Christ as your first love. And I would encourage you to do that. And then, of course, in light of this new sermon series, as we come to partake in the Lord's Supper, uh, remember, we're not only uh, moved by God's love for us, but here at the table, we find instruction on how we're to love one another. Because I'm to love you as what? Christ loved me. So as I look at Christ's love for me and how he's accepted me unconditionally and how he loves me with a love that will never let me go, a love that will never fail me, then that instructs me on how I'm to love you, to love you with a love that will never give up on you, that will continue to pursue you. 
that does desire what is best for you. Where I'm not looking out for my welfare, but your welfare in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So would you bow with me in prayer right now? Let me just give you a few moments right now for you to do exactly what I just mentioned. Would you right now, in a very deliberate, intentional way, just turn away from everything and just focus on who Jesus is and what He did for you? That He is God Himself who left heaven and He came to this earth for one express purpose. That there on the cross, He who knew no sin would become sin, would become who you are, suffer your penalty, take your punishment, that now you might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So just focus on His glorious love, His beauty, His value, His worth, and then just, just love Him. Just thank Him. Thank Him for who He is. Thank Him for that pardon from sin. We're placing in you a new heart that hungers and thirsts after God. That you now are His sanctuary, that He lives in you. So just spend this time in praise and thanksgiving. And then as you continue to focus on Jesus, who He is, what He did for you, what does that instruct you about yourself? In light of His love, in light of His holiness, His mercy, are there areas where you know you have displeased God, you have dishonored God, you You've grieved God. You know, in light of what we've been sharing, sin is nothing more than spiritual adultery. It's nothing more than making something more important, more valuable than Jesus. So, we're told as we come to the Lord's Supper, we are to examine ourselves. We are to confess and forsake all sin. So right now, would you acknowledge any relationship, anything, any ambition, any desire that has become more important to you than Jesus, that has become more valuable to you than Jesus, that you love more than Jesus. And as you confess that, then to return to Jesus, to be your first love, to be your greatest passion, to be your greatest pursuit in life.
Father, as we reflect on who you are and on what you have done for us, uh, in us, and through us, um, we are truly moved uh, by you. We are moved by the mercies you have shown us, the unconditional acceptance you've given us for the great salvation you have provided for us. And we are motivated in light of your great love and mercy uh, to right now afresh present our lives to you as living sacrifices. And Lord, we thank you that as we present our lives as a sacrifice to you on the altar of the cross, that the only reason you can accept our sacrifice, the only reason you can find the sacrifice of our lives holy before you, is because the blood of Jesus Christ sanctified the cross and literally transformed it into an altar of justification sanctification, glorification for all who touch it through faith in Jesus Christ. And so it's with boldness that we come, even in the midst of our failures, to trust now that where our sin does abound, your grace will much more abound. That you will move upon us And consume our sacrifices, the sacrifice of our lives. Not in your wrath, for there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but yes, in your holiness to consume the sin and the dross and all that is worthless, that you would bring forth in our lives vessels of honor where we would decrease, Jesus would increase, where He would be formed in us to be displayed through us. And then, Lord, we pray in your infinite mercy that the fire of your holiness would fall upon us and you would make us your fuel, O flame of God, that we would burn bright for you. We would burn bright for you as individuals, bright for you as families, bright for you as a church family. And Lord, as I commended this church earlier on being filled with goodness and knowledge and able to and competent to instruct one another, O Lord, we desperately need to excel even more. So Lord... uh, Grow us and let us abound in the love of Jesus, in all knowledge and discernment, that we will be able to approve those things which are excellent as we minister to one another, as we minister to a lost world, to be filled with the fruits of righteousness which come through Jesus Christ to your glory, that we would be blameless before you at your coming. So, Lord, we come now. Uh, to rejoice in who you are, uh, we come now to remember and when we're necessary to repent and we're necessary to return to you as our first love, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. I'll ask our uh, elders, our deacons to take their positions and in just a moment I'll give you the signal to begin coming Um, looks like it is a home crowd uh, tonight as I mentioned earlier or home crowd this morning as I mentioned earlier so uh, you'll notice each section of pews has their own uh, uh, 
men to come to that's in front of that section. And if you would just come out the right side. And here they'll give you both the bread and the juice. And you can partake right here. And then you go back the opposite side uh, to have your seat. Uh, so as we uh, come now, uh, let's come rejoicing, come praising, and uh, come in honesty. I think of 1 John 1 that says what? If we walk in the light, what? Even as He's in the light. If I walk in total honesty, transparency, what? The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen? So you come now, and let's rejoice. Lord, we do thank you that your name is beautiful, that your name is wonderful, that your name is powerful uh, because of the person who represents that name. And we continue to pray that you would open our eyes as a church family to your infinite beauty, wonder, and power. Uh, that like the Apostle Paul we would count all things loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing you as our Lord. That we truly would count all things as rubbish in comparison to knowing and following you. So Lord, in your infinite mercy, take us deep into the power of your resurrection, into the fellowship of your sufferings, to be made conformable unto your death. And Lord, as we reciprocate to your love in praise and worship. We know we also reciprocate to your love uh, by loving uh, one another. So, Lord, as we now spend uh, time in loving one another, encouraging one another, uh, praying for one another, uh, truly bless this time, for it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Jesus said... Uh, as I have loved you, we're what? To love one another. So yes, be devoted to one another, what? In brotherly love, with brotherly affection. And yes, we're to give preference to one another, putting others first. We are to have the same mind towards one another, that mind of Christ that is not haughty, that is lowly, that does put the interest of others first. Viewing other people as more important uh, than himself. And yes, we're not, as Paul said in Romans 15, in those areas of preferential differences, uh, judge one another any longer, but judge this, what? Not to put an obstacle or stumbling block before your brother. And we are to pursue those things which make for peace and harmony, the building up and the edification of one another. And yes, we're to accept one another as Christ accepted us. And then as we've seen today, uh, we're to know a love filled with goodness. It flows out to one another. Filled with knowledge. A love that's instructed, informed, shaped, and directed by God's Word. And a love, therefore, that is competent to minister to one another, to instruct one another. And as is our custom here at Edgewood, we always come out of the Lord's Supper. We think this is a very important aspect of celebration. Uh, to give you an opportunity to minister to one another. Uh, I would ask you not to leave until we dismiss the service, which will just be a few more minutes. Uh, but we do like to provide the opportunity for you to move about, uh, to actually express love, to express your concern, your, your prayer, to express appreciation, affirmation to anyone who's meant a lot to you. 
Again, just simply to love on one another as a church family. I will remain right here if anyone has a decision of any nature, a public profession of faith, desiring to unite with the church family. Of course, we have all of our elders and deacons here that would be glad to pray for anyone that has a specific need. Uh, just approach any of these men and they'll be glad to, uh, to do that for you. So right now, I'll give you the freedom to stand up, move about, minister to one another, and we'll be closing the service in just about the four or five minutes.